Want to have safe kinky sex? Make sure you make your way over to AdamEve.com. Adam and Eve has over 12 million satisfied customers worldwide. Everything from the newest vibrators to classic movies. When you're on AdamEve.com, make sure to enter in the promo code HUSH50. That's H-U-S-H-5-0 to get 50% off almost any one item and free shipping. Do I need to say that again? Free shipping. Make sure you have your kinky safe sex needs satisfied by visiting AdamEve.com. Welcome to Hush, the podcast guaranteed to give you a load of fun. And with that being said, let's slide into the episode. everybody welcome to volume 59 of hush my name is kim and i am on the podcast that brings you the shit you love to hear and i am happy to announce that we have a guest by the name of candace harper candace harper is a professional matchmaker and relationship coach with eight years of experience working with singles and couples to create healthy relationships her work is a combination of modern growth techniques like strategic intervention and rapid transformational therapy incorporated with her own curriculum Empowering Practices for Intimate Connections, otherwise known as the Epic Intensive. She is also an EFT practitioner and facilitator of forgiveness for healing. For two years, she was a guest relationship expert on The Bill Cunningham Show. She's the host of Ask for Candy, a weekly podcast for people who want to create healthy relationships. And that's available on iTunes, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Thank you so much for joining me today, Ms. Harper. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank I'm you. excited. <laughs> and as a rite of passage, what we normally ask our guests is how they lost their virginity. Do you mind sharing your V-card story? <laughs> I don't mind sharing it, and I love that you guys use that as, like, the, you know, icebreaker question. <laughs> um, how I lost my virginity. Well, let me just preface it by saying that if I knew then what I know now, I would have really really enjoyed it a lot more but um I was in college I was 19 and there was this guy who was you know part of this fraternity that you know had a lot of like good looking guys and he was in his senior year I guess I was in my my sophomore year and um yeah I took him to a formal with some friends of mine and like part of me kind of wanted to do it but I wasn't sure because I'd never done it before and I had all these hang-ups and I was raised so Christian and he showed up with cherry vodka and cherry flavored Sprite if you if you can remember that (laughs) so clearly he had intentions in mind and you know we hung out at the formal for a little while he was so good looking I was you know totally like smitten with him had a big crush on him we went and ended up drinking in his car and then ended up at his apartment because he was since he was you know a senior he had his own apartment and it was totally not what I expected it to be but nothing traumatic you know it was like okay and then after that I was kind of a kid with a new toy (laughs) (laughs) but still like a little shameful though because I was raised that it was wrong right so you know, but it, it was a good time. I can't even complain. 
I actually came up with um, a similar background. I explained it a lot on the podcast with some of my guests um, that I had a Catholic background, so almost aligned with the same values like premarital, premarital sex and masturbation. All of these things were bad. It was a sin. Yeah. God was watching. And I was actually 19 as well in college when I lost my virginity. So I'm like, whoa, <laughs> we're on the yeah. same wavelength. <laughs> I feel like when I ask people on the show, it varies. Some are younger, some are way older. And yeah. uh, it, I haven't found anybody that lost it at 19. So <laughs> right? I can I, relate that to is, <laughs> That's definitely like that, that odd little bit older age. But here's the thing that I wish that I knew then that I know now that... I think that when we're raised in these like hyper-Christian backgrounds, we think that as women, our value is in our vagina. Like as, you know, that we're somehow pure because we haven't been penetrated. And I wish I knew then that my value as a human being had nothing to do with my vagina. Do you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> I grew up the same way. I was kind of shamed after uh, it was discovered that I lost my virginity the way that I did because I wasn't in a relationship with the person and it was premarital so I get exactly what you mean like purity wow. was basically um, giving your virginity was sacred basically and so yeah. purity was based on who you gave it to and the fact that you had to be married but it's funny because I felt like there was a lot of um, hypocrisy behind that a lot of people oh, that totally. gave it up that were telling you not to give it up soon had given it up early themselves, you know, like, I don't know. Right. <laughs> and it totally didn't. And it's not like they were a more pure person when they hadn't given it up, you know, cause there's been, a, there's a lot of people out there who are pretty horrific who've never had sex. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there's that. <laughs> Switching you know? up the gears a little bit. Cause I, I completely agree. I feel like we're in the same wavelength right now. I'm like, Whoa, it's funny how these people tell me to hold on to this, hold on to this, but wait a minute, you did all of this other stuff. <laughs> right? No, it's true. It's true. And that's probably why they get like that too, because they probably have their own shame story around it and they think they're protecting us. I know that's, that was true for my mom. Like she mm -hmm. felt like she was being protective because yeah, she was, you know, fast and loose with it and had some consequences and a lot of shame and all of that stuff they mean well they really do yep that's how it was with my mom's approach as well uh yeah. switching it switching it up a little bit um for those of us who don't know including chris and myself even though he's not here what is your definition of a love coach <laughs> i love that question so i and i love that you're asking my particular definition because there are a lot of different types right like you have people who help people with dating pickup artists people who, you know, help people with, um, you know, re relating and communication and stuff like that. For me, the ultimate, you know, every program that I do, everything that I do is a Trojan horse for the ultimate relationship in your life, which is your relationship with yourself. So as a love coach, you know, the basis, the foundation of everything I'm doing is to get someone um, really, really present to how much they love themselves and to a point where they love themselves unconditionally so that they can then have the have and create the relationships that they want and when you're going along in terms of love yourself do you mean that in all aspects like emotionally mentally and physically as well um i guess what i'm getting at is masturbation or do you still hold on to the same values the same christian values that you grew up with absolutely not like i i do mean absolutely everything i i strongly believe in masturbation because i think that that's part of a really good self-care and and uh, uh health regimen 
for people. Masturbation is actually really healthy, and it's a way to be physically in touch with yourself. But I mean every aspect of loving yourself, like being able to accept your body, even if you want to change it, because you have to, you know, accept something before you can change it. Being able to love yourself through your feelings and allow yourself to feel what you feel without needing to make yourself wrong. Like just really getting to understand yourself and where you came came from, and being in acceptance around all of it. So in terms of that, what do you do in particular? I'm pretty sure that each person you have a specified critique or technique that you're doing to um, basically personalize it for them. Um, Can you explain in more detail what you do with that? Yeah, for the most part, I have a basic curriculum. And, you know, for the longest time, I was always working with one-on-one clients, and I've sort of branched out to, to do groups. But I have a basic curriculum, and the three tenets of it are peace, purpose, and partnership. And so the first part is, you know, how do you get peaceful? Um, a lot of times when people come to me, they have, you know, a lot of stuff around, um, you know, parents, resentment, their past, maybe trauma, maybe abuse. So we go through the peace tenet of it is all about like, how do I find forgiveness? How do I get into understanding and acceptance? And that's not to say, uh, you know, victim blaming. And it's not to say that, you know, whatever happened to you wasn't wrong or that that person wasn't wrong. But how do I get myself to a place of peace and, you know, power over my life? And then the second tenet of that is purpose. Like, you know, what do I want to choose for myself? Why am I here? What am I about? What do I want to envision and create? And then partnership is how do I use what I've learned about myself and what I've healed about myself to start from a clean slate and work with other people, you know, on a relationship basis as a team, whether it's a romantic relationship or a friendship or familial, usually it's romantic relationships, but yeah, that's, so those are sort of the three basic um, pillars, but there's a lot within that because it's, you know, it's a pretty intensive coaching program. I feel like I've taken each of those in parts of my life, especially uh, giving you just a quick background about Chris and myself. We were actually married. I met him when I was 19 in college, and um, we stayed together until I was 23, so we actually had our child, our first daughter, when I was 22. We divorced. We got married at that same time, that same year, when I was 22. Uh, we had divorced by time I was 23 because of infidelity on his behalf. And so I kind of went through the divorce and the humiliation um, a little bit. I wouldn't say depression, but yes, I was very sad. That that was very traumatic for me. And I think the part that you referred to in regards to peace, what I figured out was that the more resentment that I held towards him or the other woman was more of a poison to my soul so I had to learn how to let that go in order for me to move on and what I did honestly was um started up my own website and I began I have a journalism degree so I began writing more articles again and and uh, publishing an ebook of poetry but that was kind of my way I'm not gonna lie to you as well I also had moments too where I was reading on your website where most women fall into it where um they'll end up like you know meaningless sex and using that to fill the void I had those moments as well but when I was actually being productive with myself and coming to peace in terms with myself um I felt that I was reaching more progress but I had to go through uh you know a little bit of suffering I guess and finding myself to get there so I'm like on board with all of this that you're uh, explaining to me right now 
Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And also what I love about what you're saying is that so much of it is about, I mean, obviously you guys uh, reconciled Mm -hmm. so much of about it, it is about with trauma and, you know, what we go through with other people is our willingness to use it to our advantage. Like, how can I have this grow me? Now, some people end up back together after having, uh, you know, trauma in their relationship, and some people don't. And it's not really about whether you do or don't. It's, did I take what happened between us and actually make something of it? And did it motivate me to do something for myself or make a change in my own life? And it sounds like that's exactly what you did. Yeah, I I had to learn how to flip it around, and that wasn't easy. I think the the hardest pill for me to swallow at that point was accepting that that's what it was at that point, you know. um, We were no longer together. We had a daughter, but I was on the single mother path at that place. And uh, trying to find myself, I think, was also challenging because you grew... Uh, with this person thinking that you were going to open up this new chapter together and then all of a sudden the pieces fall and you don't know where to go. So I I can see how some people can end up in a dark spiral with that. Um, The biggest thing though was just letting go of the poison. I wrote a lot of poetry about that in particular. So I'm really feeling this like um, your peace portion of it is really resonating deep with me. Uh, Going a little further, how do you mold science and spirituality into your work? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I mean, you know, I don't consider myself a scientist, but I believe in science. Like, you know, I hate it when people say you believe in science. Like, science is science. It's the facts, right? It's what it's what real. It's what's real and what exists. Mm -hmm. So I believe in quantum physics and how the mind affects the body and how we think and the words that we say. And I do think that there is scientific merit to um, what we surround ourselves with and what our beliefs and thoughts are and how they affect our actions, right? Mm -hmm. And so the way that I connect that with spirituality is if I'm in a practice of faith and positivity and envisioning and creativity, I'm going to be saying things to myself. I'm going to be using language. I'm going to be behaving in a way and believing in a way that's going to be healthier for me than if I'm not. And that's not to say that you have to believe in a certain religion or that you have to believe in God or you have to believe in, you know, anything in particular. It's just that willingness to know that we have the power over our own experience if we're just willing to question our beliefs and, you know, make make our beliefs align with what it is we say we want. So if I say I want you know, let's say the ultimate relationship where I'm happy and it's and it's wonderful and it's peaceful, then the way to align with that is to use language that that aligns with having a happy, peaceful relationship. I'm a happy, peaceful person. I attract happy, peaceful people. But if I walk around saying, yeah, I want that, but men suck and you can't trust anybody and it never works out, then I'm not going to have what I want. So I think that's kind of how they relate the science of, you know, thought processes and how they affect your body mm-hmm. along with what we choose as far as, you know, whether we choose to be faithful and positive and all of that. I do feel like the mind is just such a powerful thing, you know, and, and we have to train it in certain ways to help better ourselves. Yeah. Were family and friends supportive of your journey as a love coach? That's an interesting question because on... <laughs> On some level, <laughs> like, and here's the thing, I have to take responsibility for the fact that I've never sat down with my family and really enrolled them in what I was doing. I won't say never. I did with my older sister. Um, but for the most part, it's not like I got my family on board and I, and I, 
it wouldn't have been fair for me to have a total expectation that they would understand it because it's not anything that anyone in our family has ever done, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I would say if anybody has been supportive, it would be my two sisters. My one sister helped me out um, at some point financially, and my other sister, she used to, like, sort of post and interact with my posts. But there are also the two that have, like, sort of, uh, you know, negated certain things and blocked certain things and said certain things that weren't supportive as well. <laughs> so I think, you know, when we endeavor and stuff like this to have to expect family and friends to have an understanding um, is not fair. But if they do, then that's just a bonus. And if, you know, we can find the words uh, to communicate what we're doing and have them want to support it, then that's great. My thing has always been um, I don't know if you ever listened to T.D. Jakes, but he talks about the giraffe and the turtle. So for any given, you know, endeavor or topic or project project that you may have, like you're dreaming on a certain level and you see it on a certain level and you, you can't really expect someone who's not seeing it on your level to understand why you do what you do. So he always says, you know, a, a turtle can't understand a giraffe's perspective. And it's not a thing about better or worse. It's not a hierarchy. It's just if someone's not enrolled in your vision and they can't see it, you share it with them and they're not going to be a good support because they won't know how to. Yep. Does that make sense? Yeah. It does. It does. I've come across people like that that I've grown up with where eventually, I mean, um, I just kind of kept doing my own thing and we kind of branched out separate paths because of that. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't mean anything. Like, it's not anything bad about that person. They just, they don't see it where you see it. Mm-hmm. You know, and we all are like that. Like, I have, you know, people that I care about that I don't necessarily fully see what they're doing. I always try to support people that I care about, but, you know, I don't necessarily see what they see. So I'm the turtle in their scenario. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I get it. It's, it's a yeah. cycle. going even deeper into what you do what setbacks and challenges do you face in your career um it's funny because if you would have asked me about four or five years ago I would have had a laundry list but I really one thing that starting my own business especially a business like this has really taught me and one thing I've had big transformational uh transformation around is just how I approach and how I see it so I don't see any setbacks whatsoever and I think that every challenge is there to grow me and to make me bigger and stronger and, you know, push me ahead to the next level. If you would have asked me four or five years ago, I would have been like, oh, it's hard to get leads. It's hard to understand how to market what I'm doing. Nobody gets it. You know, there's so much to do. I'm on my own. Like I had so many complaints, but none of that served me, right? It was every time that I actually overcame a challenge that was the thing that made it, made it possible and made, made me stronger with it. Speaking of challenges, how do you juggle being a love coach, podcast host, author, and a speaker? <laughs> well, right now it's not that hard with the <laughs> with the, <laughs> with the <laughs> right? Um, well, I would say that it really has to do with a surrender, you know. Because first of all, I don't know, I don't know who said it, but people who are extremely productive have the same amount of time as people who are unproductive, right? And for a mm-hmm. long time, I dragged my feet a lot. Like, I just, I had so much imposter syndrome. I just was, you know, sitting on the couch way too long, all of that stuff. But the way that I juggle it now is that I'm really, um, 
present to just taking inspired action. Like I structure my day and I, you know, commit to doing, let's say a couple hours on my book, a couple hours on my podcast, a couple hours on whatever it is that I know I want to get done that day. And I just take it as it comes and I just be present with what I'm doing with it. I don't always do it perfectly. Don't get me wrong. Cause sometimes I, you know, waste a little time too. But the only way to juggle it is to be in complete surrender because anything else that I need as far as those things are concerned, they, they kind of take care of themselves as long as I just keep taking inspired action. I actually just wrote an article very similar to that uh, recently, actually last week, and it was about keeping a checklist of goals during the pandemic and that uh-huh. it's just so easy to get caught up into like a Netflix series and then you realize all the time you spent doing that or... Uh, finding yourself on social media you were going to post a picture but then three hours later you're still on Facebook you know all this time that you could have been working on something Um, and just touching on that I just feel like that's what we need to do not lose sight of our goals or our visions 100% and I will tell you that in the beginning of the pandemic I kind of got lost in the too much Netflix watching, too much YouTube watching. But what I have noticed once I tighten things back up again is that if I actually just do the time that I commit to doing, like let's say I'd say I'm going to spend three hours matchmaking, two hours on my book. If I just do that, then I have so much mind freedom to watch Netflix or, or watch YouTube or, you know, listen to music, whatever else I want to do. And I have so much mind freedom that then I'm not that interested. I actually want to work more. <laughs> yes. But it, does, it makes those activities so much more freeing when you know you've just gotten the other stuff out of the way. Even though the other stuff is harder to tackle because we tend to have a lot of fear and stories around it. But once that stuff is out of the way for the day, it's almost like you have so much more freedom. I feel that. I, I think that once I finish doing like an article and then I'm coming up with story ideas for the next month, or I'm looking for a guest for the podcast. I'm like, you know what? I really don't feel like watching TV right now. Yeah. <laughs> you get no, going, totally. you know, your mind gets on, on the track racing. And, and uh, you know, I think that that's a good thing, though. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. Getting a little personal. Are you single or are you in a relationship yourself at the moment? At the moment, I'm not in a relationship. And, you know, I always say, because of what, you know, what I teach is self-love and self-relationship and all of that stuff, I, you know, took a period of time, because my last long-term relationship was a really abusive relationship. And so I took a period of time to just get in a good relationship with myself. And so now I'm entertaining a number of options. (laughs) But I've gotten so, like, like happy with this self-relationship that I'm not so quick to give it up like I used to be. So, you know, I date and I definitely love interacting. I love men. I love, you know, the whole romantic vibe and all of that. But I am I am slow, slow to give up this sort of self-relationship that I've formed. But with that said, I don't advise anybody to do what I do. I advise people to love themselves and get in good relationships with themselves and listen to their own intuition when it comes to whether they, whether or not they want to be in a relationship. And understanding a little bit about you, you mentioned on your website you went through the pain of an abusive relationship to evolve yourself into a love coach. How did you find the strength to do so? Yeah, that's an interesting question because I don't know that I was aware of finding the strength at the time. And, you know, I, I was evolving into a love coach while I was in that relationship because I'm someone who, like I was talking about earlier, 
just naturally tends to to make something out of my challenges and my problems. And so I think because I I, um, immersed myself in such a healing process, because I got to a point where if I didn't, I probably wouldn't have lived through it because I was, you know, there was a point where I was depressed and suicidal. And so, you know, luckily, uh, you know, there was intervention. Um, You know, I met a doctor who, you know, put me in therapy as far as like the depression. And, you know, I really... Uh, called on all of my growth work because I'd been to a lot of you know personal growth seminars and I'd already been training as a coach and I'd already coached other people in realizing their dreams so the tools were there for me thank God and I just leaned on those tools and you know allowed the healing to find me and just stayed open to what that could possibly be I have a mentor who I still am you know in touch with who runs a women's healing circle in Brooklyn and she was her and that community it was women just you know in a healing space were really pivotal in me just going ahead and saying this has to be about me healing myself and not about me fixing him or making this relationship work and that you know that's part of what had me understand that I could do this for other women as well like I could help lead women not only out of an abusive situation but to a place where they could feel you know uh, loving and confident about themselves that's beautiful. I like that you came from something like that, so traumatic, and you stand where you are now. I think that says so much about you. Oh, thank you for that. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. I, I was doing a little bit of reading of your blogs, and you mentioned <laughs> water, yoga, sex, and magic are essential. Was that a challenge yeah. for you to incorporate into your life at first? Um... I, if I look back, I feel like even in the worst times, those things were incorporated in some way. I mean, there was definitely times where I wasn't hydrated enough. <laughs> but, you know, if you would ask me, I would have always said, you know, I believe in one thing that my dad always taught me is the power of, and this is going to sound so simplistic, and I'm sure people have heard it before, but the power of being hydrated and drinking enough water, it like will change your life. It's, you know, it changes how your body feels, how you think, your ability to function, whether you poop, all of that good stuff. The yoga, I believe strongly in because it's such a perfect metaphor for life and how we develop and how if we allow ourselves to have a practice, like practice new thinking, that it can get stronger and stronger. When I first started yoga, I could barely be in downward dog and now it's a rest position. And it's just like that with, you know, when we decide to grow ourselves, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, with sex obviously i mean that's such an extremely important thing that we have so much shame and story and resistance around and it's just so uh integral to our health and well-being a healthy sex life and whether it's just a healthy sex life with yourself or with a partner or you know whoever you choose but really having a healthful image about what sex is in your life and owning it is really important and then magic is just that ability to manifest and say what you want, you know, envision it and allow it to create and, you know, just be there for that ride is totally magical when we allow it. Going through another blog post that I found, like I say, I was looking through your website before I had even reached out to you. <laughs> I was I reading it. some of these blogs and there was something that you wrote. You said, love is play. Sure, we may get hurt, and we may also experience exhilarating aliveness and connection. Love is not a risk-free proposition, and if not to give and receive love, what else could you possibly be here for? And to me, it's like, that hits so hard. I feel like I couldn't agree with that anymore. 
but how much risk do you feel is okay in your opinion? Well, here's the thing, because I I believe the only kind of love is unconditional love, right? But I think where we get stuck and why it gets risky when it comes to romantic love is that we forget to be unconditional. And by that, I don't mean, you know, let someone wreak havoc in your life. What I mean is we get into expectation and need and want and, um, you know, just wanting for that person to be something or fill a hole to fill, to fill a void. And when we're doing that, we're not loving that person. So the risk that you take when you make the choice to love someone is that you're going to fall out of what love really means because we're human beings and that's what we do. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's when, that's when things end up, you know, kind of breaking down or don't work out. So it's that, that willingness to understand that if I go ahead and, and go on this endeavor and choose to love this person, I risk myself you know, falling in and out and being human and my emotions and my past and all my bullshit coming up and trying to get in the way, I risk what can happen based on all of that stuff. So I don't believe that anybody should be allowing themselves to be in any danger or be abused. But I do think that there is no limit to the amount of risk that we should take when it comes to choosing to love somebody, because you may or may not have your feelings ebb and flow and they may or may not take you out of that love space but that's our journey on earth is to be practicing love unconditional love i love that oh just to switch it up a little bit can you tell me about the epic intensive yeah sure so epic stands for empowering practices for intimate connections it also um is is part of the mantra that we use for what i'm teaching right now which is the epic circle i am enough I am uh, peaceful, I am illuminated, I am courageous, so EPIC. Um, And the EPIC Intensive is the premium 12-week program, which is like my high-ticket program where it's, you know, serious with the three tenets of peace, purpose, and partnership, and there's also physical elements to it, too. So, you know, you're not allowed to have sugar, alcohol, you do have to start a yoga practice if you don't already have one. Um, and we go through all of the tenants within a 12 week period and it's, you know, somewhat rapid transformation there. I do a little bit of rapid transformation, hypnotherapy in it. Um, but it's mainly, you know, the teaching of the curriculum, going through the exercises and, you know, with me leading and coaching the process. So you come out of the end of that with a pure understanding of self-love and how to create healthy relationships, which is especially beneficial if your relationships leading up to it have been unhealthy or you just don't know how to make any, any sort of, you know, uh, deep connections, deep intimate connections work. Do people ever come up um, to you afterwards and give you their gratitude or tell you how much you've impacted their life? Yeah, I mean, definitely they do. And you know, and I have women who've like written reviews and stuff for me. And, um, and it's an interesting relationship that I have with it because I don't do it for that, but it does sort of validate and reassure me that I'm on the right track because the whole point is to just have women be able to say, you know, before I didn't know how to create the life that I want and the relationships that I want. And now I do. And so if I can have somebody do that and have that kind of transformation, like I know that I'm completely in alignment with myself and that actually feels really good. I think that's some awesome feedback to receive um, just any time that you're trying to empower other people. I think that's awesome. Um, 
focusing right now in the current time, has COVID-19 affected what you do? Here's the thing. I almost feel a little bit of, a little bit of guilt around it because all of a sudden the love business is booming. I don't want COVID-19 to continue. <laughs> I don't want to see anybody else get sick. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't think that this is a, uh, you know, I mean, in, in a lot of ways, I think there's a lot of opportunity and possibility for how the world is shifting. But, you know, people want connection right now and they want the transformation and they want to be living as big as they can live. So my business blew up. Matchmaking in particular, which I do for Talkify, that blew up. The coaching, now I, you know, I run a epic circle, which is a weekly healing circle for free every week that women can just come to. And, you know, like just everything has gotten way more um, interest and attention that I'm doing because it's part of what people are looking for right now. Like, you know, people are scared, they're anxious, they're stressed out, and they don't want to be anymore. And, you know, a big component of what I teach is a way to to be more unfuckwithable and to be able to navigate life and relationships, even in adversity. So I can't complain about what COVID-19 has done <laughs> for my business. <laughs> as much as I hate to see people suffer, I don't, you know, I don't take that lightly. But yeah, it, it's interesting. I'm glad, though, honestly, that's been a prosperous time. I feel like um, with self-isolation and quarantining, that's what people are craving is more connection. Like now we took this for granted. And yeah. so, you know, a lot of people now are, are figuring um, that we need to regain that. But how do we do that in the new normal that's going to establish itself? You know, I, I just feel like yeah. it's changing times. Totally, totally. Just, I mean, just huge shifts happening in the world around that. And, you know, ultimately, there's going to be a lot of beauty. And I think there's already been a lot of beauty that's going to come out of it. And if nothing else, if it just means that people connect with each other on a deeper, deeper level and start caring about things that are more important than, you know, uh, how much money they make or how big their house is and whether they're driving the right car, like, you know, start really caring about connecting with their kids and their partners and family and stuff like that. If it does nothing but that, that's, you know, you know, yeah, that's, like, that's an amazing yeah. shift. <laughs> yeah, going a little further into that, what are your thoughts on love and sex, dating, um, relationships during this coronavirus pandemic? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we, we got to be way more cautious sexually because <laughs> you can't, you know, just be out there uh, without putting yourself at risk. Um, you know, what I really think about it, and you know, I'm always the silver lining girl, is that what it's causing for a lot of us, especially those of us who aren't in relationships, is sort of a forced slowdown in that getting to know people and maybe introducing people into your quarantine space or um, knowing whether you feel like you can trust someone enough to n not be completely socially distant with them, all of that is going to take really vetting people and getting to know them and, you know, maybe talking to them digitally or dating them digitally and understanding them on a level that a lot of us didn't take the time to understand people before so that we can then be a little bit more um, discerning about whether someone aligns with who we are or not. You know, like I've gone on many, many video dates. I send people on video dates. And the one thing I love about it that's beautiful is that I get to find out and my clients get to find out if I can just have a conversation with this person. And so years from now, when, you know, the private parts stop working, things aren't getting hard and wet anymore. Having a conversation with somebody is going to be the most important thing. 
So, you know, I think to be able to find that out first and then take your time to sort of invite someone into your life is going to be really beneficial to a lot of people who've moved way too fast in the past, myself included. I couldn't agree anymore. I was thinking back to when I was divorced from Chris and um, just going through my, my phase at the time. And if that would have struck then, yeah, it definitely would have pulled me back from a lot of ventures yeah. that, that I went on to. So, um, switching it up though, what projects are you currently working on? Well, I have like a lot of things in the works. I have a book that I've finished and now it's in the editing phase. It's called I'm Not Mad, But She's Still Crazy. And it's all about getting right with your mom for the sake of your love life. It's mainly for women, because I think we tend to mimic our identity based on how our mother was with herself. And, um, you know, it talks about taking that rite of passage and becoming your own woman. And it's very much, you know, like the curriculum that I teach. Um, There's that, which I'm hoping will be available by the end of the year. And then there's my podcast, which I do every week. Um... And there's the Epic Circle, which I do every week on Monday nights. The podcast is usually broadcast on Thursday night. But, you know, if, if someone subscribes on Apple, they can listen to it anytime they want. And my Epic Circle. And what else am I doing? I don't know. I always got something going on. I also sell T-shirts. There's a there's a website, Curvy Brown Yogi, on Teespring that I'm, I've been working on where I do. That, that's from my old career. I used to do graphics and stuff. Oh, okay. So sometimes I do graphics and, you know, put them on T-shirts and stuff. Yeah. Very exciting. <laughs> that's it. And matchmaking. Matchmaking is always a big project for me. So. And just to let the audience know, how can people reach you? Well, there's a number of ways. They can either go on Facebook and go to my business page and just message me directly um, or sign up for my newsletter. Um, if they want to join the Epic Circle, if they go to the business page, they can do that. Another way is they can actually call me. I don't know. Do you guys, can you give out numbers on your on your broadcast? I've never done that, but if it's already public, um, you could give out the number if you'd like, or if you want to just direct them to your website, but it's, it's your yeah, call. Yeah, they could also go to my website, CandiceHartForLoveCoach.com, which does have my number on it. And then also um, my Instagram's a good way, too. If you Instagram, you go on my Instagram and then send me a direct message. My Instagram is at CandyLoveCoach. Thank you. And I'm going to make sure that we put up a post, make sure that our audience knows how to reach you. Um, yeah. Just wrapping it up, are there any final words or thoughts that you'd like to share? Um... That's a great question. I mean, I think more than anything, what I always want, um, you know, people to have as a takeaway whenever I interact with them is the importance of what it means to truly love yourself and not in a narcissistic way, what it means to really allow yourself to be who you are in a way that is loving and nurturing and make making that your first most important relationship because if you can fill yourself up then you can overflow onto other people and and you know have healthy relationships that way just always be willing to fill yourself up first thank you so much thank you again for taking the time to join me um again thank you so much (laughs) it was my pleasure thank you for reaching out and asking me to Hey everyone, thank you for tuning into the Hush Podcast. Make sure to find us on Podbean, Red Dragons Radio, Google Play Music, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Stitcher, TuneIn, 
SoundCloud, thehushpodcast.com, our Facebook, our Instagram, and our Twitter page.